welcome to Best Laid Plans. This is Sarah Hart Unger, and this is the podcast where we talk all things planning and planning adjacent. As this episode airs, it is the very end of January. I don't know about anybody else, but I definitely feel like this month lasted quite a while. I think there's something about having all of these new goals and then inevitably some of them not working out. And then hopefully getting back on the horse again that sometimes um, can make January a little bit more stressful than it otherwise might be, but still some enjoyable times in there and some fun with my new stack of planners, some of which, as you heard, I am using and some of which I am not. Well, today I am going to bring you a couple of question and answers. I will reserve my longer question and answer episode for next week. So if you'd like to get your questions in, there is time. I will probably record Wednesday evening. So if you're listening to this on Monday and you want to send me a question on Monday or Tuesday, I can see if I can fit those in. So have at it. All right. So the two questions I have today, the first one comes from another very busy working mother. Here it comes. She writes, Dear Sarah, I love all things planning and appreciate your transparency when delegating certain tasks without the guilt. My husband is a working medical resident and I'm a full-time night shift nurse, also in school to pursue a master's. We have three kids and they're, uh, I'm not going to give specific ages. This person can stay anonymous, but they're pretty young and life is pretty full. They have a wonderful nanny 30 hours per week who is more than willing to help with meals, light housework, etc. while the oldest is in preschool or during naps, but I struggle to plan in advance to delegate appropriately. Do you have tips or methods for the best ways to plan enough in advance so that I can actually delegate rather than just feeling overwhelmed and figuring it out myself later? I plan digitally, really curious to check out Todoist after the episode with Sarah Powers, almost exclusively, and we have a shared Google calendar with our nanny as well. So to summarize this question, we have a very busy family. And it sounds like mom often kind of waits to the last second and then is not able to delegate. So the first thing I would do is I would put into place some kind of system for said delegation. Now, there does not have to be any one right way to do this system, but I definitely recommend some kind of set time and place. So not just like, oh, you know, weekly, I'm going to do this, but Every Saturday morning, I'm going to sit down and lay out what's needed for the next week or every Sunday afternoon, whatever works for you. But you can even put that in your calendar as an appointment and stick to it. I know that that's when you're going to sit down, maybe with your husband if he's available, so he can kind of take part in this conversation of what needs to happen for the upcoming week. And then you figure out a way to send that to your nanny or anybody else helping out your household so that everybody is on the same page. In my household, this is absolutely a Sunday activity. It actually does come up as a recurring reminder in my Todoist app. Truthfully, I don't really need that reminder. I just kind of know that something that I have to get done every Sunday is to figure out what the next week looks like, and that includes delegating. So in our house, what this looks like is I do meal planning, and I look at all the kids' activities. I look at my schedule. I look at my husband's schedule. And I put up on a whiteboard, I have an Erin Condren whiteboard in the hallway, you know, who's driving which day and who has which activities and who has PE what day and needs their shirt, etc. My kids usually look at it too and often remind me of things that I may have forgotten about. I may notice that there's a birthday party coming up on Saturday so I can order a gift really quick or things like that. 
And then importantly, I take a snapshot on my phone of that whiteboard and I text it to my husband and our nanny. And that way they both kind of expect that they're going to get this and know what's ahead for the week. So it's kind of like automatic delegation. I don't have to think about it. It just is part of the weekly routine. I guess one thing I would ask yourself, because as I'm kind of reading between the lines in this question, is that sometimes you feel like, well, you wait to the last minute to delegate so it doesn't happen and you do things yourself. So I would also explore, you know, maybe there are some, I don't know, either subconscious or biases that are preventing you from delegating. Like maybe you're guilty about it or you think you should be doing certain things even though you don't want to be. And so you're afraid to put an item like figure out the week and delegate on the calendar. I don't know. I mean, that, that mean, I, I don't know you and that might not be a factor whatsoever. But just in case there are these sort of underlying biases or tropes we tell ourselves playing a role, think about whether you really would be happier delegating certain things regularly. If not, that's okay. But if you do want to, figure out how you can systematically just make that a routine part of your week. You also can consider kind of larger scale delegation. Like we do um, kind of look at our calendar as a whole together on a larger scale, often during, as I've mentioned, like little trips together. And that's when we also will tell our nanny, like, hey, this is when the kids' spring break is. We're going to be away. Maybe you should take vacation then too, or things like that. So, um, you know, that's kind of the more broader horizon. But I think what you're asking about is the nitty gritty stuff that needs to get done every day. And for that, as I said, I suggest calendared time when you go through that and a way that you regularly communicate with the others, whether that is just a photo of a to-do list or a shared to-doist or a shared Google Calendar, you can go as low or high-tech as you would like. All right, question number two. Hi, Sarah. I'm a fairly new listener, and I found you last year through the Mom Hour and have been enjoying your podcast as my first baby was born January 2020, and I've been navigating working motherhood and COVID life. I was just listening to episode 76 while shopping Erin Condren and had a suggestion for the listener whose day is opposite the usual morning and night. So this is actually more of a suggestion and then there's a question to come, but I wanted to share this suggestion. She says, if you choose the vertical layout option of the weekly life planner, you get three squares per day that are, can be labeled anything that can be morning, afternoon, and evening or work home and to do, but in the planner themselves, they are blank. So the listener that wanted a night shift style planner could label them however they wanted and however they think of their day being divided, whether that's evening, night, and morning, um, or any other way. So that's so wonderful. Thank you so much for writing in with a suggestion for another listener, the one that asked the question previously about finding a planner designed to suit the schedule of night shift workers. So I thought this was such a brilliant suggestion. I wanted to share it. And this person also wrote in with another question. She wrote, I love that you're dedicated to paper planners. I prefer them too, but get overwhelmed by things to carry with work and daycare bags. Could you talk about where your planners and journals live, what you take to work every day, and how you transport them? So first of all, I have to say, if you're in that like pumping phase where you have to carry all the bottles and the pump and your kids' food and stuff, oh my gosh, it's a lot of bags. I can see why you would want to minimize any planner luggage that goes with you because that stuff really can weigh you down, literally. But it is fairly short-lived, especially the part with the pump. I promise it seems like forever, but it will go faster than you think. Anyway, so personally right now, 
as I mentioned, I started with a large stack of planners for the year and I'm already down to a fairly more manageable number, but I only take usually one book to work, maximum two. My Cultivate What Matters journal has no need to go to work. It just sits on my desk and looks pretty and I usually remember to put my checkbox on my tending list most days or catch up with it when I get behind. My Hobonichi five-year journal, same thing, definitely no need to lug that back and forth to work. That just sits on my desk. But my Hobonichi cousin, which is kind of my main go-everywhere planner right now, both for the daily, weekly, and monthly pages, that one does go to work with me pretty much every day. I have a fairly large but not gigantic work bag, and it will fit that easily, plus my wallet and anything else I need for work. I can even put my laptop in there if I need to, so I just don't feel like it adds too much real estate to what I'm carrying. However, I do admit I... You know, I live in like a driving centric area, so I'm not doing a lot of walking. I'm just driving to my parking spot at work. I do walk about maybe a quarter of a mile maximum from the parking garage to my job. It's probably like a tenth of a mile. I don't know. (laughs) It's not very far. So I don't really, you know, need to be super, super streamlined, but that hasn't been a problem for me. I also bring my pen pouch to work every day that has my favorite mild liners and pens if I accidentally leave that at home. I mean, obviously I can get through the day, but I'm a little bit sad. And then sometimes I bring like a thin little notebook or when I was using a papier notebook or papier, I never know how to say it. I would bring that as well to take notes in meetings. That also does not take up too much space. So even those two together can easily fit in my work bag with room to spare. So that's what goes with me and the rest stays home. All right, we are going to take a quick break and I will be right back with a planner review. Today's episode is brought to you in part by Jenny Kane. I love Jenny Kane, and I hope you love shopping there to support the show. When you do, visit JennyKane.com and use code PLANS for 15% off your first order. We are now well into spring, and there's no better time to shop for beautiful cotton sweaters that can take us right into the next season. And definitely take a look at their dresses. They have so many pretty ones. I'm obsessed with the day dress. It's so classic and versatile. Plus, everything in their collection is designed so intentionally that you can style pieces together without a second thought. All of their sweaters and tops pair with jeans, work pants, and more, and can be styled to fit practically any occasion. Find your new spring uniform at JennyKane.com. Our listeners get 15% off your first order when you use code PLANS at checkout. That's 15% off your first order at J-E-N-N-I-K-A-Y-N-E.com. Promo code PLANS. Let getting dressed be one less thing to worry about. Today's episode is sponsored in part by Factor. Factor is sponsoring this episode with an awesome discount code, PLANS50, to give you 50% off your first month and 20% off the next. Trying out our sponsors helps keep the show going, and I think this is a wonderful time to give it a try, given that it's always a busy season. Factor offers no prep and no mess meals that are tailored to your wellness goals. They offer multiple options from protein plus to plant-based to keto and many more. No matter what your health goals are, you can keep kitchen time to a minimum while enjoying healthy and delicious meals with premium ingredients with Factor. You can get started feeling great and fueling well now by giving them a try. Head to factormeals.com plans50 and use code plans50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code plans50, P-L-A-N-S 50 at factormeals.com plans50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, I am back. So one might question why are we doing a planner review in January? But first of all, I don't think there's any bad time for planner reviews. Many of us who listen to this podcast are always thinking about ways to optimize and revamp our systems, or maybe the luster wore off of what you selected for January 2022 and you're already looking to try something different. I know I've been there in the past, so I would have no judgment if that is you. So I have a few planners that I've had sitting around that I really wanted to share with you all. This one came to me right at the end of the year, so there wasn't time to get it in before that deadline. But I think now would be a perfect time because maybe if you have another planner that is more style than substance and you feel like you really need a way to get into your goals in a detailed way, this planner might be for you. So this planner is called the Pro Action Planner, and it is a yearly planner. It does bear resemblance in some ways to the planner pad. So I know planner pad has an incredibly dedicated group of users. And so me saying that this planner is a little bit like the planner pad, I don't know, might get some diehards (laughs) kind of annoyed because um, there are no substitutes for the planner pad, but there are some similarities in the layout. And to me, In some ways, the way things are laid out on the weekly view resonates a little bit more than the way the planner pad is, which to me feels a little bit backwards. And I'll talk about that in a second, even though, again, much love for the planner pad. And I know it must really gel well with a lot of people's minds and the way they work. Okay, so the ProAction Planner, as I mentioned, it's a weekly planner. It contains a lot of goal setting material and a lot of habit tracking material. I would say in some ways, it's like if the full focus and the planner pad had a baby And it was a weekly planner that lasted a whole year rather than a daily planner. That's probably how I would describe it. And it definitely has a very businessy, professional-like look. It is almost like, you know, something that you might get at a conference if you were going to. I've gone to some conferences where you just get this like spiral-bound syllabus with all the abstracts in it and such. And that is kind of what this would look like on your desk. So very professional appearing. The cover is navy blue. It is seven inches by 10 inches and it is spiral bound. The spiral is a black coil. It does, to me, have a little bit of a fragile look. I cannot speak to whether it is durable or not because I haven't used this for a long period of time. The cover itself, it feels fairly thin, but it's like plastic. Like it does feel durable. I don't think it's going to scratch. I don't think it's going to come off the coil again. If anybody is a diehard user of this planner and can speak to the durability, maybe at the end of the year, if you're using it, definitely let us know. I think this would hold up pretty well, but we would have to see with this coil. It is not an O-ring. I know some people really detest O-rings. It's like a classic spiral like you would see in a Mead notebook, except it's black instead of silver. So it looks quite nice. It doesn't feel super heavy duty, I guess is what I'm getting at, but it still feels high quality and nice. When you open it up, you have your nameplate page and it says Life Made Simple. That's the company that makes it. And then there are several pages that go through how to use the planner in terms of creating your mission and vision statement, defining longer term goals, setting annual goals. And I love how they have you divide them into personal and work. And I'll I'll talk about that as I go through those pages. 
reflections, review, and reset every month and every quarter, and then planning every week. So definitely has a lot of the ingredients that I find necessary in really effectively setting goals. And actually, there are some parts of this that almost have a cultivate-like look, although much more kind of muted and professional and less flowery and feminine, if that kind of makes sense. So you have your page where you put your mission statement and your vision statement. I wish those boxes had lines because I personally just detest writing in blank boxes. But again, that's kind of my own personal pet peeve. And then there are two little columns on the bottom of that page that talk about long-term goals and when you'd like to accomplish them. I like that. It's a manageable number of lines on the list so that you know, you're not going to come up with 40 things and fit them on the page, but instead it's like 14. So that's a reasonable number. And then there is a lovely, lovely um, year-long calendar that reminds me in the Hobonichi of how the annual calendar is set, where um, although it's it's a different, um, it's not laid out in the same way that that one is, so I, I kind of take it back, but you can see the entire year. There are six months on the left page, six months on the right page, a box for every single day. This would be wonderful for like habit tracking, or you could like put a different color in the box if you worked out that day, or you know something you were aiming to do, or screen time minutes, or something like that. Just a super useful spread to allow you to see the entire year at a glance. I feel like these are not that common in planners where you actually get a box where you could write something in for every single day and see the whole year at one time. So I always appreciate when I see a a spread like that. Then there are goals pages for you to put up to seven goals for professional and seven goals for personal. Again, I absolutely love that. Just that they have kind of both of them separate because for me, they really are like two realms of life and I don't like to mix them up when I'm doing goals lists. So I think this is great. If I had a suggestion, I'd maybe add like a third one. Maybe they could leave it blank because I like to do personal, professional, and then like family. So I don't know, maybe for future editions, think about having even another spread for goals because some of us like to get a little maximalist on our number of goals for the year. I'm just saying myself, but this is a great page. And again, I love how they separated personal and professional, and you can divide them up into milestones and target date and update the status. So this reminds me in some ways of the full focus, but just a really nice way of laying out your goals for the year. Then you have a monthly reflect, review, and reset. And this comes at the beginning of each month. You have a reflection area of what went well, what you want to do different, and then a place to set your monthly goals. This part's not divided by area, but you could certainly figure out how you'd like to color code them. And there are five goals highlighted for each month, which I also think is good. You do need to pare your goals down. Even if you have 20 goals for the year, you're probably not going to focus on all 20 for the month. So I really like that. And then comes a monthly calendar, which could be used for more global things like travel or call weeks in our case, or, you know, big events, things like that. And then you get into the meat of this planner, which is the weekly page. And I'm actually going to pull up my planner pad next to this planner so I can compare and contrast a little. As I mentioned, there are definitely some similarities between the two. But first, let's talk about this one, the ProAction Planner. So there is an area at the top of the page. So, okay, well, first I will say vertically, the page is divided. There's no column lines, but really it's divided into eight columns, one column for each day, and then a blank column on the right where you can put notes and ideas a little gratitude list with three spaces, and then a cute little habit tracker with room for up to seven habits that you can track for the week. And there's some more habit tracking content in the back of the planner, and I could see how maybe you would track for your week on this page, and then you could, at the end of the week, if you really wanted to, put everything in the master habit tracker in the back of the planner. So really, really nice system for habit tracking if that's something you like to do. Now, on the top part, I said there were seven columns, one for each day. 
but it's also divided into kind of three big horizontal sections. The first one is collect, where you write down all of the week's tasks by category. Love, love, love that. I love the idea of separating different categories because, you know, for me, this just really helps me prioritize and make sense of a list of to-dos, which are often like 18 things, but it may really be more manageable when I think of it as like six work things and five kid things and, you know, kind of just the categorization definitely helps. Then is a section on the daily schedule. And each day has hourly sections going from, well, it's blank, but it could be 5 a.m. to 10 p.m., which for my purposes would be perfect. You could do chime tracking on this. You could put your hard landscape appointments on this. Definitely very, very functional. And then on the bottom, a little section where it says to do today. I think this is fantastic because this view allows you to see your weekly to-dos, all of them at a glance, your daily schedule, so you see exactly how much you have on your plate, And then you can integrate those two things and say, well, given all this, what should I do today? I honestly can't think of a more functional view for deciding what is a workable number of tasks to get in in a day. And I just really, really like this layout. Like I am tempted to try it for a while, which is saying a lot because I'm really happy in my Hobonichi right now. But the one thing that the Hobonichi doesn't really have is that I can't you know, as I'm looking at my weekly view, I crystallize what I want to do on that day. But because it's a weekly and daily planner, I have to flip back and forth when I want to actually decide what I want to do on that day. But in this, you could actually have all three at once. So, you know, I wouldn't be able to track all the different things I like to write on my daily pages in this version of a planner. But in terms of like deciding your to do's and tracking them throughout the week, and from a productivity standpoint, this is fantastic. I love this layout. The difference between this and the planner pad The planner pad, you have a weekly list of activities by categories, then you have the to-dos, and then you have a section that says appointments, which to me, like the word appointments is like a little bit of a turnoff. It just sounds like appointments. I don't know, like meetings or I'd rather just see my time and not have the word appointments. But it goes from 7 a.m. to 8 p.m. So it's not, it doesn't entirely encompass the day. There's like a weird shaded block at noon to like assume that you're taking your lunch at noon, which I feel like is a little bit presumptuous. And I guess for me, it's just backwards. Like I need to look at my schedule first and then write my to-do list. And of course you could still do that with the planner pad, even though the appointment section is on the bottom. But I like how the this um, proaction planner like logically leads you from here are the weekly tasks. Here's what I have to do for the day that like my hard landscape. And here's what I will choose to try to get done in the hours I have remaining. I love that. Super, super functional. And as I mentioned, there is a lovely habit tracker and goal great gratitude area on the right side of the page. I did a pen test on the first weekly layout of this planner. I didn't test like every pen that I own. I tested a tool gel pen because it's a pretty juicy pen and I wanted to see if there would be bleed through. And I gotta say, it is extremely minimal. This paper, if anything, reminds me of the paper that is used in the full focus planner. It is just very nice, not like fancy, but very, very well-functioning paper with really not a lot of show through whatsoever. It is not smudge prone. It's like nice and kind of dry feeling to the touch, not slippery. I don't know what weight it is actually, but I I really like it. I tried out the Tool, the Uniball Signo DX, the Sarasa Dry, the Uniball Jetstream, and then a couple of Erin Condren markers. And they all wrote on the paper just fine. And then I wrote a whole bunch in the Tool just to see if it would look a little show through on the back. And it's I'm impressed. I'm impressed. This paper is very, very functional. So yeah, I think this is a fantastic product. Honestly, I would be much more apt to use this than I would the planner pad, even though again, I know the planner pad has this incredible cult following. 
But I think in many ways, the weekly layout for me is more functional in this. And then there are some bonus sections available in the back. So there's a notes, lists, and ideas section that's got about, you can hear me flipping, like 16 pages of notes, some lines, some dot grid. And then this is where you have your master habit tracking. So you can track up to seven habits for the entire year on these sizable pieces of paper. And as I mentioned, on the weekly pages, there's a seven habit tracker as well. So you could easily track it on the week you're in and then transfer it. But this is just a really, almost reminds me of like almost commit 30 in like the amount of space devoted to just habit tracking here. And that's it. I just think this is a great little planner. It is made in the USA. It's $47. They also have an eight by 11 version that's black and white only for $42. Um, it is a woman owned company. And I think if you're having a planner fail right now, this is absolutely one to check out. So again, that's called the ProAction Planner. This was not a sponsored review. This was sent to me to look at. I did not pay for it. I did not request it. It was just offered to me. So um, this is my honest opinion. She also did not require any kind of review or ask me to you know, say any positives or negatives about it. I think if I was going to say anything constructive... I would want maybe a little bit of a sturdier cover. The inside is so nice that maybe like a hard leather-like cover would be nice. Um, I definitely would want it to lay flat. That's really important. For my purposes, maybe a slightly smaller version would be helpful. And then as I've mentioned in, in prior um, notes, I really detest blank boxes with no lines. So stick some little dot grids or lines in there. And then finally, if I'm being really, really picky, maybe round out the corners because they're a little bit sharp. Um, but otherwise, wonderful product. Definitely one to keep your eye on. All right. Wow, that was a longer review segment than I thought I was going to get into, but I guess I'm just enthusiastic. So if you've tried the ProAction Planner, please let us know. I'm interested in your take on this. Thank you again to Lori, who makes these planners, for sending it to me. And if you have other products that you're really interested in having me review in the future, please let me know. I will go out and buy them if I need to because... What is more fun than trying out planners and talking about them? I don't know why. I just find it really fun. So I hope you enjoy listening. All right. I will be back next week. As I said, it will be a Q&A episode. So keep those questions coming and have a wonderful week. This podcast is part of the Sound Advice FM Network. Sound Advice FM, women's voices amplified.